0: Father, once again, we come before you, assembled together on a Sunday morning, and Lord, I pray that our purpose would be one, that we would surrender ourselves to you and to your word, Lord, that we would learn to worship you in spirit and in truth. We ask for the Holy Spirit to have freedom to convict and work in each heart and life. We pray for the remaining hymns, that they would be sung to glorify thee, the special music. The preaching, Lord, the time of invitation, that we would truly understand what it means to know you and to serve you. We pray for our time of offering, that you would bless it, and Lord, that we would give back to you cheerfully as the Bible commands. Help us, Lord, to worship you during this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz? Teen and... We'll kind of start there this morning. We're going to move around just a little bit. How many of you know what Tuesday is? Okay, I see a couple hands go right up and a couple more. Yep, yep, I'm, I'm getting it. I remember now it is Veterans Day. And uh, that is the day that as a nation we have set aside to honor those who have served. The original date... Uh, November 11th, uh, 1918 was the day that they signed the peace treaty that ended World War I. But with that peace treaty that ended World War I, the seeds were planted that reaped the harvest of death and hatred known as World War II. Uh, everything that came about in World War II uh, has its connections uh, right there at the day that they said they had peace. And this morning, as we contemplate what's going on in the world around us, and literally, we, uh, and honestly, you need to take time. I mean, we, we pray for our veterans here on a regular basis at church. Uh, you need to pray for those people who are willing to put on that uniform and endure uh, what they have to endure to serve this country. Uh, I uh, don't know that I really agree a whole lot with much of what uh, Colin Powell has said, but uh, I think he put it better than anybody. He said, people accuse the United States of conquering. He said, the only land that we have ever taken from another nation was a place to bury our dead that died to set them free. And that's not an exact quote, but that is what he said in one of his speeches. And, and uh, that is true. You can go to the beaches of Normandy and the only land that America reserved for itself is the cemetery to bury the dead that set France free. And you can go to the Philippines and you can go all over this world. And let me tell you, I'm still glad to be an American. And I'm also, every time I'm reminded of what it means to be an American, I'm glad that you don't have to be born here to be one. That it's not a, uh, a, um, a family name or a, uh, 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 a pedigree. It is an heritage that anyone who wants to be free and abide by the laws can embrace. And we thank the Lord, and we need to thank the Lord for our freedom. But as we look and think about this, we, we need to take some warning. You see, the reason World War I actually was the beginning of World War II is because we had some people that did not understand the meaning of a simple word. That word was called victory. They thought they had won a victory because the Germans had decided to stop fighting. I, I want to challenge you, but that is not victory. I looked it up and copied out the definition here of the Oxford English Dictionary. The position or state of having overcome an enemy or adversary in combat, battle, or war... Supremacy or superiority achieved achieved as a result of armed conflict. And so that is the lexicon, the textbook definition. Uh, I'd like to give you a working definition this morning. It is the rendering of an enemy without ability and resource to continue hostilities toward the victor. It is rendering an enemy without ability and resource to continue hostilities. You see, that is the problem with the war on terror. Uh, Where is ISIS? Where did they come from? Oh, it's just a remanufactured Al-Qaeda. Uh, what's going to happen if they defeat ISIS? Well, let me tell you, a couple of years down the road, there's going to come up another group. Because victory has not been achieved. Nor will it until you stomp, stomp out, until you stop the ideology of hatred that is what has given birth to this desire to rule the world by this group of people. And it's just going to continue. Uh, there's a monument right here in Astoria uh, that talks about greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends right on Astoria Boulevard and the price of peace is eternal vigilance and it is the keeping Of the peace, it is depriving the enemy of the ability to continue hostilities. And that's what's not happening today. That's why we lost the Vietnam War. is because every time we declared a ceasefire, it just gave the enemy time to regroup and rearm and to ship more stuff in and to steal more weapons from the United States. And, Brother Brett, if we could close those doors, I'd appreciate that. Um, And yet... We are in a battle today, a spiritual battle. And the reason why we don't have victory spiritually is because we don't have the right definition of victory. Now, I'm not asking you to raise your hands, and I, I prefer that you didn't. But if, if we were to take a, 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 a show of hands this morning, most hands would go up. How many of you have struggled with some sin this week in your life? Now, don't raise your hands, but uh, I'll tell you what most of us have, whether it be a temper or whether it uh, be uh, thoughts of despair and and doubting God, whether it be uh, uh, the the normal habits that stick out as ungodly um, that, that people know about, or whether it be... A lustful heart. I mean, all of those things are sins. And we battle. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The last Sunday sermon was, why have we lost our joy? It's because we're not remembering our salvation. We're not putting our life effort in what it's supposed to be doing. That's communication with God. That's prayer. It's not happening the way that it should. And we're not resting in the Lord. He's already won the battle. He has promised us so many things. Then why are we defeated? And I want to talk about the battles that you're going to have to win. If you're going to serve God, you're going to have to have some victory. And there's many verses in the Bible that talk about victory. And we're going to get to some of them. One is who has overcome the world. It is the faith. Your faith is your victory over the world. So if you're not having victory, the problem is you don't have the right kind of faith. Amen. Uh, we, we need to get that. And the first place that I'd like to look at, the first battle that you are going to have to fight today. And if you don't win this battle, everything else is lost look at Luke chapter 13. Jesus is talking here. He's going around uh, verse 22. And he went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? So as Jesus is teaching, they're on their way to Jerusalem for one of the feasts. and, And Jesus is going through the villages as he is headed toward Jerusalem. And as his habit was, he was healing and teaching and giving God's word. And one of the men that was with him got to thinking about some of the things that Jesus said. And that's not a bad thing to do. And he said, do I understand you right? Is it just a few people that are saved? You see, the Jewish mindset, they had abandoned the gospel. They had abandoned the Bible generations before. Before and substituted for the Bible their own commentaries and their own ideas about the Bible, and, and, and they believed that they were saved because they were a Jew, that that was good enough. And somebody says, silly people, where would they get that? But how many people? I, I wish I had a dollar for every person who told me I'm born a Christian. I'd be a rich man. Uh, You know what? They're believing the same thing that the Jews believed in Jesus' day. And Jesus said, listen. Yeah, you're right. There's few that be saved. In fact, I'm going to put it in terms that you cannot misunderstand. Verse 24 is where we're going to dig in this morning. It says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in. And shall not be able. I want you to skip down to verse 28. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. And you yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down. In the kingdom of God. Did you get what Jesus said? Now we didn't read the whole passage, but he said, listen. Yes, there are few that be saved. In fact, you better get ready to fight. That word strive means to fight. I don't know how many of you have ever been in a real fight. I would hope not many of you. Um, it is not a pleasant thing. Uh, I, I, I have tried to abide by my father's instruction when it comes to uh, that issue. He had three simple rules. Number one is you never look for a fight. Number two, you never start a fight. And after you've obeyed rules one and two, don't lose. I, I, I like my father's wisdom. And fortunately in my life, physically, there's been very, very few. There's been a few times. But praise the Lord, there's not been very many times that I've had to actually get involved like that. It's a dangerous thing. But when you're in danger, sometimes you need to fight. And Jesus said, listen, you are in danger. I want you to understand that you are going to be weeping and wailing because you're going to be standing there and you're going to watch Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets go into the kingdom of heaven and you're not going to get in. You're going to be thrust out. Jesus was telling that to these men. This is what you're going to see. And as God, He would know what they will see. And He said, they're going to come from the east and the west and the north and the south and they're all going to sit down in the kingdom of God. But you're not going to make it because you're not willing to fight hard enough to get in. Now, don't misunderstand me. We're not teaching a work salvation here. All the works that have needed to be done were finished on the cross. That's why we put that phrase behind us. It is finished. But the first battle that you're going to fight is the battle to faith. Man's heart is born to believe. In fact, man will believe in anything Illustration. How many of you know who Sung Young Moon was? Uh, A Korean man that claimed to have visions from God and had thousands of people follow him. And here's his basic claim to fame. His ministry, his faith in, in, in a sentence was, I was called on by God to fix what Jesus failed at doing. Now, that's blasphemy. But how many thousands were gathered in Central Park years ago that he did a mass marriage where he married everybody to everybody? Uh, You know what we call that today? We call it clubbing. I'll tell you what, it's the same filthy dirt that's in the world. And he made it a part of his worship. No different. No different than the Baal of the Old Testament. You follow these guys, they're all dirty, rotten, wicked people. And they'll have you doing the same filthy things that they do if you follow them. You see, there's a battle to be fought. There is a there is danger involved. Because if you lose this battle, you lose your soul. What did Jesus say? What does a man profit to he the whole world and lose his own soul? He so said, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And yet, history is replete with stories of men that have sold themselves to the devil. Paganini. For fame. Joseph Stalin for power. These men have sold themselves. And and by the way, just go down onto Wall Street. There's a whole bunch of guys that... I mean, where did Bernie Madoff get off making off with billions of dollars? What would you do with a billion dollars? Let me ask you that. Do you have a comprehension of it? You couldn't carry it. It would break the floorboards in this auditorium to just weigh it in, to put it on the floor. And yet he stole billions of dollars. I'll tell you what, you've got to have help to do that kind of wickedness. You've got to strive. Does anybody remember what it was like trying to understand the fact that you were a sinner? Because no one likes to believe anything bad about themselves. Isn't it true? Can anybody lift up a hand and say, Pastor, I remember what happened in my heart when I finally realized what being a sinner meant. That's a scary thought. You know, tonight we're... And try to not necessarily finish, but get to a good stopping point in our series of how to witness, how to tell others about Jesus. But I, I want to preach on conviction tonight. It's the missing element in soul winning. Conviction is when you finally get past yourself far enough that the Holy Spirit is able to break through that shell called. A conscience and get in and touch the quick part, touch the part that hurts. And you have a realization of an understanding that my sin offends a holy God. I want to challenge you till you get there, you can't get to salvation. And the reason we have a lot of people that have a faithless salvation, meaning no salvation at all, is because they never fight the battle to allow themselves to understand who and what they are in the sight of the Holy God. Let me tell you something, that is a battle that has to be fought. I don't care where you are, what you've done, how bad a sinner you think you are, Let me tell you something, when we press the button, when the pressure is really put on you, you're going to think good things about yourself. If it's only to think how sorry I am for all the bad things I've done. Well, at least I feel bad about it. I've had people say that. Uh, Can I tell you that is worthless? It is nothing more than backwards pride. To understand that you, at this time, if you are here today and you are unsaved, you are living in open rebellion against God. I mean, you got your sleeves pulled up and your fists clenched, and you might not be shouting obscenities at God. But that's the way God views you. When you say, I can take care of my sin myself. In fact, you can't insult God. You cannot blaspheme Him anymore than to offer something other than the blood of Jesus to pay the price for your sins. And it's a battle that you have to fight. friends and family oh you you listen they they're really fanatical there at that baptist church and it wouldn't hurt you to get a little bit just don't get too much i'm sure that people have heard that who are sitting here uh, i want to challenge you that you can't get too much repentance it's not possible In fact, that's the battle that you have to fight. And by the way, we're not talking about... Repentance is not something that you get enough of to get saved, okay? It's not a process. Just like belief. Do I believe more on the Lord Jesus Christ? Um, Let me add it up here. Almost... Forty years, thirty-eight years after I got saved, than when I got saved? Well, of course I do. Uh, it's become a way of life. I I I don't hardly make a move without trusting the Lord and trying to pray. But I'm no more saved, thirty-eight years down the road, than I was the day that I trusted Jesus as my Savior. But there was a battle that had to be fought. I didn't understand everything that I do now then. and, and uh, I, But I do remember as a little child just praying. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please save me. I really, really mean it this time. Please, please. And then didn't feel anything different. And I said, Lord, maybe I didn't pray hard enough. You see. I had a well meaning teacher that told me if you really mean it, God will save you. Well, what does a eight, ten year old boy do with really mean it? Lord, now I really, 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 really mean it. I can't mean it anymore. Well, God doesn't save you because you mean it. Don't get in the sincerity trap. God saves you. Because you surrender to Him. Because you strive with yourself to say yes to Jesus and no to you. It is a battle. You say, well, I I don't remember any kind of battle like that. Well, different people fight it different ways. But let me tell you something. The Bible puts it this way. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus. Now someone says, oh, he's going to teach on lordship salvation. No. But I will tell you this. If he's not your Lord, he's not your Savior. Does that mean you perfectly obey him? I certainly wish you did. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But I remember talking with an old preacher. He'd been preaching over 50 years and, and just a dear friend. And I won't give his name because the, the quote I'm going to give you does not reflect uh, really well. But it, it explains the point. We were just young preacher and an old preacher talking to him. He said the only problem with getting old. He said, there's just more things to lust after. Let me tell you something. He was being honest. You see, if you're going to get saved, you've got to get past yourself. There are some people who believe that they have sinned so much that God can't forgive them. That's what Hebrews chapter 6 One of the classic chapters where people get confused and fall is Hebrews chapter 6. And that's what it's simply talking about. If you can't get past Jesus Christ having forgiven you for all of your sins, you're going to be in verse 1 relaying works of repentance. And let me tell you something, you can't relay works of repentance. It's a one-time deal. You walk through the gate, you're on the road. You trust Jesus as your Savior. He saves you. Past, present, and future. You say, I just can't believe that. Well, then, I want to challenge you today. You're not saved. You're just simply not saved, and you need to get saved. How do you do that? You have to fight the battle. till so you can trust Jesus with everything. So you can completely surrender to Him. That's what it's talking about here. It says a lot of people are going to try, but they're going to give up before they get there. It's not that salvation is a hard place to get. Jesus said, except a man be converted and become as a little child, he shall no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's a simple thing. It's our wicked heart. It's our self-will. It's our love of self that makes it difficult. And keeps us from that simple, childlike faith in Jesus Christ. He will forgive you for every sin. As a pastor, and and I do not, uh, how shall I say this, uh, I'm not speaking negatively in any way, I just want you to understand that uh, a lot of people struggle with the knowledge of their salvation. They doubt it. And one of the things that, where where I start with someone, I remember years ago someone said, now, when you're in the children's church, if someone comes and they say, I'm not sure I'm saved, uh, you just have them pray a prayer. And if they're not sure that they're saved, just have them pray it over again to make sure. And I begin to think about that. Because I was one of them little kids that prayed over and over and over and over and over again. I said, I'm not going to do that to any little kid that I have ministry with. I want them to understand something. Salvation is something God does. Not something you do. It's not my faith that saves me. It's His. Where did you get faith? Faith cometh by and hearing by the... So that's where you get faith. Grace, you already have. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. you got to let it work. You know how you short-circuit faith? Exactly what Eve did in the garden. She said, oh no, we can eat of all the trees except the one in the middle. We're not to eat it and we're not to touch it. What did she just do? She perverted faith because she added her words to his words. You know, a lot of people pervert faith. They say, well, I, I trust Jesus. I surrender to him. And now I've got to be good. Well, who are you really trusting in? Let me tell you, you're going to run out of you. And that's not salvation. Salvation. That battle has to be fought. And if you lose this battle, if you don't get victory, let's go back to our definition. It is rendering an enemy without ability and resource to continue hostilities. I need to render myself without ability, without resource to continue not trusting in Jesus Christ. That's why you've got to quit going to Mass. Because you're giving yourself resources not to trust in Christ. That's why you got to stop doing good works. Say, but well, Pastor, isn't a Christian supposed to do good works? A real Christian who has fought the battle and is on the straight road will not have a choice about doing good works because it's the Holy Spirit of God that's living in them. That's the next battle that we're getting to. Stop trying to be saved and let God save you. And He will. And He'll do it forever. You see, you've got to submit to the words of God. This book says all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. It says there is none... That doeth good. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. Now, you know what? I've met an awful lot of people who are willing to admit that verbally. But you read your Bible it says they're going to bind them hand and foot and cast them into the pit. No one embraces death willingly. I used to work in a nursing home. And one of the saddest things was realizing that many of those people were just put there because their families were tired of putting up with them and didn't want to deal with it. And so we did. I'll tell you what. I I actually cared for the people I took care of. It was good training for the ministry. Some of them didn't want care. They got it anyway. I remember taking one man. He could hardly speak. And uh, his name was Bridwell. And. And I just put him in his wheelchair. It was a warm, sunny afternoon. And I'd been working like, oh, I don't know, two or three doubles in a row. I was tired out of my mind going to school all at the same time, sleeping two or three hours a day. And uh, I said, you know what? I'm just going to read my Bible this afternoon on my break. I'm not even going to eat dinner. And uh, I saw Mr. Bridwell sitting in there. And I said, ah, you know what? Hey, do you wanna? I'm gonna go read my Bible in the little courtyard. Do you want to go with me? And uh, he, he mentioned, noticed that he could. I mean, he couldn't communicate very well. And I just rolled him out, sat him in a sunny spot, and started reading my Bible to him. Boy, the old tears started running down his face. He said, I haven't heard that in years. He said, Thank you so much. You know what? That was better than eight hours sleep. But you, you've got to understand. You deserve death. Mister Bridwell had been in the nursing home for good night twelve or fourteen years, and when he finally died, it was it was not a pleasant death. His body went into convulsions and all kinds of things, and it was a it was just a terrible event. But the thing that just never got past my mind was all of a sudden his family was there. they were all crying and talking about how good man he was. And I'd been working there for two and a half years and never seen a one of them. But they had put him there because he was going to die. And he knew he was going to die. In fact, he told me they've stuck me here so I can die. He said, I can't go to church anymore. I can't do anything. Found out he had been a Baptist deacon. And let me tell you something. Until you can see yourself deserving of eternal separation from God. That's what this Bible says about you. That's where you have. That's what you have to understand to walk through that straight gate. You don't have to feel terrified about it, though you ought to. But you need to understand something that that's the battle that has to be fought. That I deserve God's judgment forever, and there's nothing I can do about my sin except come to Jesus and ask Him to fix it. That's walking through the straight gate, my friend. That's the battle that has to be fought. It's not Jesus and, Jesus or. It's Jesus. I'm so glad to tell you salvation is not in a church. It's not in a baptistry. It's not in doing good works. It's not in any of the things that you think. It's not being born into the right family. It's not going to church all your life. It's not being the descendant of a great preacher. It's simply trusting Jesus. Amen? I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. If you lose this battle, none of the other battles we're going to talk about make a bit of difference. Without salvation, nothing else matters. But let me tell you something, Christian, once you're saved, the battle to enter the straight gate has been fought. But now we move to the next battle. You have the battle to faith, the battle to get saved, the battle to get rid of of all of the thoughts and trust only in the Lord Jesus Christ. But now comes the inward battle, the battle of faith over self. I wish we had time this morning to review the first six, eight weeks of this year as, as just taught a series on the death of self and what that means. But I want you to look here in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9. It says, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Now, I refer to this passage often because God's people don't have rest. They're too busy trying to do things for God. And it doesn't work, my friend. You can't try to do anything for God. God's got to do it, just like He saved you. How you got saved is how you live the Christian life. And you can get weary and well-doing very easy if you're trying to do it on your own. Look at verse 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the sample of unbelief. Same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any other, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time, in time of need this is the battle on the inside that's why Jesus said if you're going to follow me you got to take up your cross how often daily and follow me and we don't have time to run here today very far but you know most of us just like the unsafe person they like to think good things about themselves Most of us, as Christians, if you're saved, would like to think that you're doing something great for God. I want to challenge you, it's the same wicked attitude that kept you from getting saved, it's the same wicked attitude that will keep you from serving Christ. You see, the only way you can get past that wicked heart is with the words of this book. This is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. How many of you have ever caught yourself trying to do something good and help somebody and all of a sudden you woke up and realized you were just being selfish mess out of the whole thing? Anybody ever had that happen to them? I challenge you, if you haven't, you haven't been doing very much living. How do I not do that? The words. You see, I've got to rest from my works and let Him work. Christianity is not a passive thing, even though that sounds passive. Because there is the active battle that it takes every moment of every day to get me out of the way so that the Lord Jesus Christ can come through. Amen? It's a struggle. It's a battle. It's a battle that we've got to win. And if we wonder why we're not being better in reaching the world in which we live, is because we're not fighting the battle on the inside, and the world no longer sees the difference. Most of us would like to go fight the battle of the world. I want to challenge you that if... If the battle, and we'll get there in just a few moments, if the battle is to straighten out the world, I want to challenge you. Wake up. We're losing. Uh, we have lost big time. But that's the wrong battle. You see, until you get things straight on the inside, you're never going to be able to help anybody else. I've used this example because it's the best one I get. If you're drowning in the river, the last thing you want is me jumping in to save you. Because then there will be two of us drowning in the river. Uh, The only thing I can do in water is imitate a stone. I mean, I I can doggy paddle just a little bit, but I can't keep myself afloat. I'm not going to help you one little bit. We have so many Christians. They even teach it in churches today. Be like the world to make them more comfortable. Now, I'm not trying to be mean this morning. But if you're struggling with salvation, I want to make you uncomfortable. If you're here today and you're saved and you're struggling with yourself, and you're not winning that battle against yourself, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to make you miserable this morning, so when we have an invitation, you can come forward and actually pray about something that God wants to do in your life and change. It took a little while. We had to work on that amen. Amen because let me t- tell you I've talked to some soldiers but I've never met one that actually enjoyed the battle now there's some that like to embellish and do a little bragging after it's all done but I, I'm thankful that most soldiers aren't like that had to privilege a few years ago he's not a saved man but he was awarded the congressional medal of honor he was sitting in an airport selling his book and my first question was there's a lot of cussing in that book i want to buy it for my son and he said listen here he said i don't need to cuss to tell my story he said it's clean and so i bought his book shook his hand talked to him he's a greek guy actually and fought many battles in Europe as an American soldier, and his courage and resolution was he was one of the few men awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor that didn't have to die to get it. Tell you what, it's a privilege to shake a hand with a man like that. To win the battle. To fight the battle against self. I've got to get before the throne of God. The throne of grace. And what am I going to get at the throne of grace? I'm going to get mercy. Why? How do you get mercy? Let's remember the definition of mercy. Mercy is given to the defeated by the hand of Of the victor. And when I win the battle, guess who loses? Me. And I go in my condition of not being able to stop myself. What the battle is, trusting the Lord. Daily. Life is not big things. It's little things. You know what, these Olympic people who win medals and honors, it's not because of that one time on the ice or in the weight room or on the wrestling mat. It's because of the literally tens of thousands of hours of practice before they got to that one time. Are we together? And you're going to have to spend some effort. There's a battle that has to be fought to get rid of self. The tool is the Word of God, because it's the only thing that can tell me the difference between right motives and wrong motives. And that's going to drive me to the throne of grace when I look into the mirror of God's Word and see what is really there. And we go to 1 John chapter 5, and and we're going to look at the last victory. That is the victory over the world. You see, God has not commanded the church to clean up the world. If He had, we would have to do like the Catholics have done and like Islam is trying to do. We'd have to get a Baptist army and go out and start shooting people. If you're going to control the world, that's how you do it. But that's not the battle that God's called us to fight. But He has called us to overcome the world. How many of you remember Romans chapter 8 last week? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. What I want to challenge you to do is let God define what victory is today. Victory is depriving the enemy of the ability to continue hostility. You are your own worst enemy. You are keeping yourself from trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You need to be defeated today. And let Jesus have the victory. If you're saved, if you've won that battle, well, the next one is the daily battle. Guess what? You need to be defeated again. Because you can't discern what is right. Your motives won't be true. Your desires to help people will be corrupted by the sin nature that lives in you. But if you'll go to that throne of grace, He's going to give mercy. But mercy can only be received by the defeated at the hands of the victor. Are we together yet? Now, look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because The Spirit is truth, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. I don't know why every modern version wants to take that verse out of it. Well, I do know why. Because, see, our faith that overcomes the world is not cleaning up the world. Many years ago, we had a Baptist preacher, and he formed an organization called the Moral Majority. And they did some pretty good things, actually. Got Ronald Reagan elected president. Humanly speaking, that that group of that lobbying group called the Moral Majority was responsible for the election of Ronald Reagan as president of the United States first time. And, and uh, if you study history at all, that was a good thing for the United States of America. It was good for our economy. It was good for our morality. It was good for many things. But did that stem the tide of wickedness in our nation? Well, it may slow it down for a little bit, but it didn't stem anything. We are far worse today. Things that you couldn't even imagine are now the law of the land. Why? Because some stupid judge said so. Uh, By the way, that's not even the way it's supposed to work. But see, nobody studies civics anymore, so you don't care how government's supposed to work. But if that were the battle that I was facing, guess what? I would be distressed. Because we're losing that battle. But... You know what the absolute worst thing that a soldier can do? Is get involved in the wrong conflict. You say, well, the enemy's everywhere. Well, soldiers are given direction. And they are given duties to carry out. You see... Our faith that overcomes the world is believing that Jesus Christ has done everything to save me. And that he will do everything to help me live for him each day. You know when I overcome the world through faith? It's when I walk through that straight gate and get saved. You know what the next victory is? It's when I walk through the baptistry and tell the world that I belong to Jesus Christ. And give public testimony. That's our faith. And it overcomes the world. When I show up Sunday morning in church instead of Saturday night at the local bar or club. When I stop participating in the filth and and stop running the rat race Monday through Friday so that my life can serve Jesus Christ. Guess what? My faith has overcome the world. We have too many Christians that are just trying to survive. That's not overcoming faith. I want my kids to serve God. I want my children to follow in my faith. Guess what? That's a faith that overcomes the world. We have too many children of too many people who believe in Jesus Christ that are out serving in the world. What happened? The world overcame them. This is the victory that's being talked about here. A faith that overcomes the world. You say, my kids... I got saved after my kids are growing up and different... Listen. If you want any hope of anybody you know, come to Christ. You better get your salvation worked out first. And then you get your relationship with God where it ought to be. Resting in Him. Him doing His works in you. And you will have what it takes to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. And they will listen. Even if they don't want to. Well, I don't want my kids growing up like yours. Well, I feel sorry for you. Because I'll tell you where your kids are going to be. They're going to be out in the world. They're going to be doing those things that are going to destroy their lives and bring tears to your heart. I met a guy years ago. I think maybe our first week or two passing out tracks in Astoria. And he had nothing good to say, only curse words and profanity. And a little while later, I had one of my children with me. And he says, what are you doing to this little child? And, and every time we met, and he would use language, I said, please don't curse around my children. And one time, I think it was Philip, or yeah, I think it was Philip, This several years ago. He said, there you are destroying that little boy's life. And I don't know what came over me. I hope it was the Holy Spirit. I hope it was. I looked up at him. He's a big man. I said, I want to know where your kids are. I said, I want to know what your kids are doing. I said, I'll bet your kids are on drugs and your daughter's acting like a harlot and running around with all the boys. I bet your kids are doing rotten, filthy, wicked things. I said, you wish you kid- your kids were like mine, going to church and doing what's right. And I'm going, wow, why did I say that to this great big guy? And I didn't know it, but there was a, one of those street vendors right next to us, and he looks over at me as soon as I had finished, and he says, he needed that. <laughs> so maybe it was the spirit for a change and not the flesh, Amen. But we got to understand something. We're in a war. If you lose the battle at the gate, you lose your eternity. If you refuse to rest in Jesus Christ... And allow God's word to discern your thoughts and change the way you think about life. Your family's going to lose. The people you're trying to witness to are going to lose. But if you'll surrender, let me tell you something. There's mercy at the throne of grace. But that mercy is going to make you do things. That mercy will make you be faithful. In church. Not just Sunday morning. Not just services. But visitation and, and everything that's going to say, well, I can't walk. Well, let me tell you something. We'll give you something to do. You've got to be able to tell people. You say, "Oh, well, I can't talk. Well, we'll put you on the computer and let you type. Amen? Uh, you'll do something. Because God's mercy makes you do things. You see, that faith that overcomes the world changes the way that I live so that I'm not living at the best and behest of the world. I'm not doing what the world says I ought to do. In fact, I copied an article out. Some stupid doctor in England says, I don't have the right to have any more than two children. And all you filthy, rotten people need to understand this. And I'm sitting there going, Man, I'm going to have that article just to laugh at it. Uh, you only had two, we only had twelve. Amen? Uh, we'll just take what God gives us. And I'll promise my twelve will do a lot better than your two. By God's grace, we're all capable of losing that battle with self. And if we do, we're never going to overcome the world. You see, the last point of this message is automatic. I automatically overcome the world when I obey Christ. When I live daily for Him and love it. Guess what? I've overcome the world. What do they have that I want? Nothing. What do I have that they want? Well, they don't want what I have because they got to go back and get into the straight gate before they'll be able to want what I have. That's why it's so confusing. And it's why it's so hard to live the life of an unsaved people, person. But people do it. In fact, the majority of human beings do according to Jesus Christ. We're not commanded to clean up the world. But we are commanded to come out from among them and be separate. We are commanded to be different. You know, I had a preacher, a man that I love in the Lord. He just hung his head in despair and says, you know, I I wonder if we're not raising a generation of martyrs. It says, for thy sake are we killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay. But in all these things, we're more than conquerors. You know, Nero thought he would stamp out Christianity. Now nobody will even call their dog Nero. And though we have no evidence that Constantine will be in heaven, he claimed to be a Christian just 230 years after Nero. The whole empire became Christian, though it wasn't Bible-believing. I wonder if Nero knew that. Do you think he'd have felt a little offended? Diocletian, the greatest persecutor of all Christians, died less than 20 years before the entire empire became Christian. <laughs> Even though it wasn't the right kind, I I still want you to understand. The reason they became Christian is because they saw in the life of the Christians what was so good that even if they couldn't have it themselves, didn't want it all the way, they at least wanted some of it. Does that make sense? You want to overcome the world? There's only one way. You've got to live for Christ. And that means you're going to have to die daily. It means you're going to have to be defeated. And remove from yourself the ability to resist believing in God. That's defeat. But it's victory. Because then I get mercy. And then I have faith. Because I'm just doing what the Bible says. And I overcome the world. Because I'm not joining them. I'm not listening to them. How many of you remember the Y2K hubbub? The whole world's going to end. The missiles are going to be blowing off. And all the gas and electric is going to stop. And If you were a member of this church, I started in July saying this is one of the biggest hoaxes that's ever been perpetrated on the American people. If anything happens on Y2K when we turn the year 2000, it'll be on purpose. Am I a prophet? No. I just know my Bible overcame the world. The quietest New Year's Eve in my 20-some years of living in New York City was when it turned 2000. You know why? Why? Because our faith can overcome the world. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, there's not a one of us that aren't in the struggle. Whether we'll admit it or not, we're in the battle. There are some people here today that are battling over the issue of their salvation. Lord, I pray that they get serious and fight the right battle. Get to the end of self. Total surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. And let you do the saving. Lord, there are others that are saved here today. And they're struggling for relevance. They're struggling for all the things that the world says they need. And I pray that they lose that battle. And get involved in the right battle. The battle to rest. In the Lord Jesus Christ. The battle to do things at the direction of the victorious Savior, who not only gained victory over sin, death, and the grave, but over ourselves as well, over our sin nature, that we might be defeated to receive mercy so that we could live in victory with the Savior. Lord, I pray. That you would work during this time of invitation. That we would fight the right battle. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz, come lead us in the hymn of invitation. If you're a Christian,